It's a privilege to welcome you to this series of podcasts tagged Godly Parenting in a Dark World. I was privileged to be in a parenting course that we ran recently and we had two young adults who were in their first year in uni and it was a privilege to have them around to talk to us what our perspective should be concerning gender and concerning the social issues that are being thrown at us here and there in our world. So on this series, we will be hearing from these two students who were also raised in Christian homes and today the Lord is helping them at the university where they found themselves. So I'm praying that you will find this series a blessing. So let us go in and listen to Esther as she share with us on the matter of gender issues and raising our children. I wouldn't call myself an expert on gender or gender dysphoria, but within what I'm studying, there is a big emphasis on gender, on LGBTQ plus issues. And it's actually a big issue for me as um, someone on what I would say the right side of not only politics, but social issues as well. So to start, I'd just like to share three scriptures and I'd like everyone to keep them in mind as we go through um, what I'm going to share today. I think it's always important to start with the Word of God as the basis and foundation before going into, you know, the science or the social issues or what's happening in our world today. So first of all, if we could go to Genesis chapter 1 verse 27. And it says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. So that's one verse saying God created man in his image and male and female he created them. So then Psalm 139 verse 14. I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvellous are thy works and that my soul knoweth right well. So here we see David Praising God and saying, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knows right well. So first of all, Genesis says to us that God made every single human being in his image. And there were two categories he made them in which we call gender, which is the same thing as sex, gender and sex. I would like to just make that very clear from the beginning, because if you listen to anyone talking on gender dysphoria, anyone pushing that agenda, they like to tell you that sex is biological. And gender, which um, the transgender people are saying, no, I'm a boy, no, I'm a girl, even though they're a different gender, they're saying that is a social construct. And I'd just like to reaffirm the fact today that both gender and sex are scientific, biological things that God has created in us from the beginning of time. So they are not a social construct, and they are set in place. So he made human beings male, and he made them female. They are two genders. Now, we live in a generation in which some people say, um, I'm non-binary, I'm gender fluid, and I'll get into all of that later on. But let's remember the fact that there are two genders. There are no more genders than that. And then we see David saying that he's fearfully and wonderfully made. And I think this is very important to remember because it's good to know that, you know, we're made a man and woman. But sometimes, especially if um, someone's dealing with gender dysphoria, then they need to understand that they are fearfully and wonderfully made. And God's works are marvellous. And 
David says, my soul knows that. And I think it's very important today to go from this meeting, know, um, being able to impart into your children um, what their gender is, and that their soul really understands that and believes that not only is this my gender, but it's the right gender because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, because God's works are marvelous. So those are the two verses I wanted to share. So gender dysphoria is a mental disease. That's the first thing I'd like to say. Um, not in any way to be rude to people who are suffering with gender dysphoria, but the fact of the matter is gender dysphoria is a mental disease that unfortunately the world has tried to affirm in people and is currently affirming in people. So it's a mental disease. It's the same as schizophrenia. It's the same as body dysmorphia. It's the same as anxiety, depression, any mental disease. Gender dysphoria is the same. It's not separate. It's not a special category. So that's the first thing I'd like to say. Now, with gender dysphoria, it's actually a very rare disease. And only 1% of the population actually suffer from it. This is the whole world population. Now, I know it may seem when we're seeing things on the news that, no, it's a way bigger thing that people are suffering from. But unfortunately, we live in a society which has magnified it. And if you really look at... Um, the statistics of people who are coming out as trans, who are saying they're trans in quotes, and I wouldn't affirm that. Um, they're normally people of my generation, who are called Gen Z, who are influenced by their friends, but not only by their friends, by Hollywood, and especially by social media. I cannot tell you the amount of rubbish there is on social media about someone saying, oh, this boy saying I'm a girl. I've recently saw a video where a boy was saying I'm a girl and he was suffering from so-called periods. And unfortunately, that's the generation we live in. And that's what children are being fed over and over again. And they are coming to a state of mind where they start to believe that as well. Now, there's um, a girl called Chloe Cole in America, who when she was, I think she was 14, or maybe 16, 14 or 16, um, she decided that she was trans. So she went to psychologist. And unfortunately, the new plan that they have, a normal psychologist and a correct psychologist, and if you search up a called Jordan Peterson, who is a psychologist, would tell you that they need to go through the child's history, they need to find out the root cause, they need to understand more about what the child is feeling. But unfortunately, when it comes to a child coming and saying they have gender dysphoria, the world says, okay, we've affirmed that you have gender dysphoria. The next thing is to put them on puberty blockers, hormone treatment, and then years down the line, gender reassignment surgery. So she came out saying she was trans, was taken to the doctor, put on puberty blockers, um, had a double mastectomy, both her breasts removed. At the age of, yes, I think she was 14 then, then at the age of six, she realized that she was not trans. And unfortunately, she can't take back everything that's happened to her. Now she's living in a kind of half state where she's not a girl, she's not a boy, she can't have children. She'll never be able to fully have a normal heterosexual relationship and that's all because of the puberty blockers she was put on and so she has started a campaign against the way that psychologists are treating gender dysphoria the way that psychologists are pushing it on children and unfortunately refusing to allow a child to first of all accept their gender in what they already are now people who do come out as as um, trans 
actually if you do leave them alone for some time so if you ever come across a child who says oh i'm a boy but i think i'm a girl i think it's very important first of all to not um i wouldn't say over panic but to not put that child in a situation where they feel they need to go to the world for help for that because it can completely remove them and put them on the wrong direction Actually, statistics show that people, 98% of people who come out as trans, actually stick with their original gender from a young age. Because a time, puberty is a time of change for so many young people, and they start to hate their bodies. And it's not necessarily about their gender, it's more about their bodies and how they're perceived by their peers. And so they start to hate that, and they start to think that maybe, no, I'm in the wrong body. But 98% of them actually revert to their original gender. But there is a factor that 80% of those people turn out to be homosexual. Now, that is not a portion of the name. But I think it's very important to remember the fact that most children who do sick, who are really suffering from gender dysphoria, actually end up not changing their gender because they realize that their gender they are in is correct. Now, with living in our society and with all the background information there is about gender dysphoria and gender, um, I saw like some people saying how their children were and how they haven't started with um, talking about their children with gender. And I'd like to say I understand that very well. In the perfect society, let kids be kids. A child who is three should not have to think about their gender, should not have to worry about their gender. Those are adult issues which children should not be taught about at all. But unfortunately, we live in a day and age where they are seeking to force such issues on children as young as three, if even though the law is changing in England that five-year-olds and upwards will be taught, uh, Peter can still decide to teach nursery school children that if they wanted. So I think it's very important that Christian parents, who is Christian parents, take up that mantle. And first of all, start with those scriptures, Genesis 127, Psalm 139 verse 14, those two scriptures. You can go into more, but those two scriptures in themselves are a reaffirming of gender. So you'd like to, you may like to take your two-year-old, obviously they can't memorize Bible verses, but just five minutes each day, it's great, five minutes say, God made you who you are, he made you a girl or he made you a boy, you are wonderfully and fearfully made. When God made you, he said it was good, don't let anyone else tell you otherwise. And keep on reaffirming that into your child because that's what the world is doing with gender dysphoria, with LGBTQ plus issues. Every single day, every single um, platform a child goes on, every single place a child goes to, they're being thrown. These issues are being thrown at their face, and we need to counter that with the word of God and every day reaffirm that child's gender. So, as you're dressing up your child, maybe you're putting a dress on your girl, saying, "You are a girl." God made you a girl. Girls wear dresses, boys don't wear dresses. If you're putting, um, like, it's, I think it's also important to allow um, the parents, so for example, the father, to take his role with the son in affirming his son's gender and the mother to do that. I'm not saying, um, obviously not, a mother could do that for her son, but if you do have a husband who's willing to, it would be great to get him involved in affirming your son's gender and saying, look, this is what daddy does, because he's the man, he's the husband, he leads the family, he goes to work, he provides. And looking at those things, not only telling them about their gender, but seeing it in their parents, 
is very important and it helps a child be able to relate that to themselves. As I said earlier, there are some changes in the law, first of all, that five-year-olds upwards um, from, um, in primary school then I'll be teaching children about LGBTQ plus issues. Um, basically the alphabet, which is what we now call it, because there are many different, it's not just LGBTQ plus anymore. But um, children will be taught all these things in schools. Um, we are still fortunate in England to only have that being taught in schools. And I think I would say it's easier if you are reaffirming your gender, the gender of your child, to still manage that. It's very much easier compared to a country like Scotland, where they've obviously changed the rules that before it was you have to live two years as a trans person. Two years as a trans person, and then you can change your identity legally. But now they've completely scrapped that. And I think, like it was said, it's three months, and then you can change your identity, which is absolutely terrible. And it's from the age of 16, which isn't even an adult. So um, I think those are issues that we need to pray about. But in some countries across the world, when it comes to trans issues, for example, Canada and some European countries, if a child says they are trans and a parent refuses to affirm that, the doctors have a right to take that child away from the family and um, start that child on treatment. So there's a case right now in Canada where a man is being prosecuted by a hospital because he refused to affirm his child's gender. Now, this is a child who is a product of a broken home, so he and his wife are split. So obviously the child has been suffering from a lot of mental trauma and things like that and from out of that sprung the gender dysphoria that she was suffering with and the doctors decided to put her on treatment. The other spouse is supporting it and that man is now facing prison and a long sentence because he refused to allow his daughter to receive that treatment and he's trying to stop her. So we are coming to a situation in our world where that in the next 10 years, that could be the case in our country. And I think the most important thing to be able to deal with that, if you already live in a country like that, or your country is moving, taking steps or that direction, is to keep that child in prayer. I think I can't emphasize enough the power of prayer. And you could say a lot of things to a child. You could reaffirm their gender. You could tell them, oh, this is what mommy does, or this is what daddy does. But at the end of the day, prayer is what is needed to combat the world that we are living in today and taking prayerful steps as to how to deal with those sorts of things if you decide yeah maybe I need to pull my child out of this school or yeah maybe I need to do more of this with the child or maybe I need to actually sit down and have a talk with the child about how they feel about their gender and I think I would actually um, encourage that for certain ages it can be useful if the child is like from the age of I don't know, eight, seven upwards to actually have a talk with them about gender. So, you know, um, reaffirming gender in a three-year-old is great, but actually asking the seven-year-old, how do you feel about your gender? Because obviously some children may not be able to express that, but when they come to that age, it's very important. How do you feel about your gender? How would you identify? Finding out more about that child so it doesn't come to the stage where the child is coming out as trans in front of teachers and you knew nothing about it whatsoever and really making sure that you have a relationship with your child and you understand who they are and they feel like they can come to you with every issue which is why i emphasize not being um angry not being angry and over 
I would I don't know the word to use, but not being too much with the child about certain issues because if that does happen, a child will be scared to come to you with such issues and then that becomes a thing where they find an outside influence. And that outside influence is not always godly. So it's very important that you make yourself open. So you don't react with absolute horror and absolute anger when a child says something and they feel that they can come to you with any of their issues. this series was a blessing to you as we are still on the series godly parenting in a dark world this particular series is from the parenting course that we finished recently and i remember the last session was such a refreshing and a blessing session to all of us as we heard from two young adults who spoke with us on this subject and i am bringing you this session the one we had yesterday was the session we had on parenting and gender issues. Today, we will be listening to raising children and social issues. So let us go and join my dear friend Esther. Today, I'll just be talking about a few things around social issues. I think first of all, prayer is the best way to start. We pray and then um, I can go ahead. So Lord Jesus, I just thank you for today. Thank you for um, all the parents gathered here today from all across um, your world. I thank you for those who um, have already started raising their children with the social issues that we're facing in this world in mind. And I thank you for those who don't really know where to start and who are really passionate and want to lead their children in the right way but don't have the knowledge. And I pray that you'll just speak through me and allow me to be able to give some good advice and to share from your word in um, a way that you would love. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, um, as I said, last week I came to talk to us about gender. And I think the best place for me to start, like last week, is just reading the word of God. And um, if we all remember, I talked about how um, God made male and female and that it's important that your children know that in Genesis God says that he made them male and female and he made them in his image and then how in Psalms it talks about how children are wonderfully and beautifully made so going on from that I'd like us to go to John chapter 15 from, eight, from verse 18 to 19 and just find out more about um, who your children are and who you are as children of God so John 15:18-19, and I'm reading from um, KJV. It says, "If the world hate you, ye know that it hated me before it hated you. If ye were of the world, the world would love his own. But because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you." So this verse talks about how God is saying that we are separate from. Um, 
unbelievers in this world. And I think there's a huge sense in scripture of the separation of Christians, of believers from the world and how we're different. And Jesus is warning his disciples here saying, I'm going away. If you read from chapter 14 to chapter 16, this passage is really lovely talking about how he's going away and he's going to send a comforter, the Holy Spirit. But here he tells them that the world is going to hate you because it hated me. And that if you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not, and I've chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hated you. So I think this is one of the things that um, when thinking about social issues, you need to be aware of that we are not of this world. So the social problems, the social um, things that are going around in our culture right now, they are not ours to partake in because we are believers, because God has chosen us and pulled us out of the world and we're not supposed to participate in things that the world is participating in. If we go to Matthew chapter 5 verse 13, Jesus talks here about how we are the salt of the earth. It says, ye are the salt of the earth, that if the salt have lost its savour, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. So Jesus is saying that we are that salt and like we are the flavor that is supposed to be an influence in our generation. So like when you cook soup or you cook any meal, like for example, pasta sauce, and you don't put any seasoning in it whatsoever, that sauce is flavorless, it's not tasty, it's not as enjoyable. But once you add just even like a pinch of salt, it totally changes the meal. And that's what we're supposed to be in our generation. So thinking about social issues, it's not just about protecting your children from them, but raising your children to be a force for good in pushing back against what the devil wants to introduce in this world. And then Romans 12, 1-2 which says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect with God. So it's really moving on from those verses, continuing that same theme, the idea that we are separate, that we are holy, that we are sacrifices unto God, and that we need to be pleasing unto him and that we should not be like this world. Verse 2 says, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So this idea that we should constantly be striving to be more like God, to experience his word more, to continually spend time with him, to prove what is good and acceptable and perfect and the will of God. And I think that's so important in our generation specifically right now. There's a lack and a dearth of who God is and people don't know what's right from what is wrong. And as Christians, we are supposed to be there speaking the truth, making sure that what is good, what is acceptable, and what is perfect is still there in the public sphere. And finally, Luke 6, verse 8. Sorry, Luke 16, verse 8. And it says, And the Lord commended the unjust steward, because he had done wisely. For the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of and I think this verse always really, um, it strikes me as very, very socially aware, not just for the time Jesus was in, but also for our time. And I think it's true of every single time period Christians will find themselves in. For some reason, we seem to lack the knowledge and the wisdom about the society we're living in. And it's creating a great issue when it comes to raising 
of the world which Satan is the prince of are wiser than the children of light and it shouldn't be this way we have the word of God we have um, Jesus's words to guide us in these issues that we are facing today we need to be able to educate ourselves so how do we do this how do we guide ourselves how do we educate not only ourselves but yourselves in the view of educating your children because they are the next generation they're the ones who are being influenced by all these things and they're the ones who are going to hopefully pass on the baton to the next generation so how do we do this how do we make sure that we raise children in view of social issues so first of all i think the most important thing is knowledge and awareness first peter 5 8 talks about how the devil is always going about like a roaring lion. He's seeking to devour, he's seeking to kill, steal, destroy. The devil is here to absolutely get everyone he can because ultimately he has lost the battle and he's just here on this earth to capture everyone he can to go with him to hell. And so we need to be careful and to be aware. So number one, watch the news. It's so important to know what's going on in the world around us. The only way in which you'll be able to understand the issues that are facing your children every day is to watch the news and what's going on. I'd advise people to go and watch um, GMB News. It's a great channel which talks about the actual issues that are actually being faced in our um, in our society. Unfortunately, some channels like BBC and ITV and Channel 4, and I know I'm speaking from a British perspective because unfortunately I don't know about other countries like France, but I'm sure there, there will be some channels out there too in your country which share issues from a more conservative and more biblical perspective. And I definitely say anybody in the UK, please check out GMB News. They have some great news correspondence and they really talk about issues that I'm sure everyone here are concerned about for their children. Second of all, check the curriculum of your children's schools. The curriculum is so important and it really shapes what they're going to learn and shapes how your children will develop. Especially if your children are in state schools, I would say it's so, so, so important to be aware of the curriculum and to be engaging with the teachers to find out more about what they're teaching your children in the classroom. I remember when I was in school, my mum was so engaged with my teachers. There was a time when there was like this whole involvement and I don't know if the word to use, but there was like a fascination with the occult and with witchcraft in schools. And she had to go to the teachers and say, please don't give her these books about witchcraft and take me out of lessons sometimes when they'd be discussing the books or they'd be watching movies about witchcraft. And so it's important that you know the curriculum of your children's schools and also you know how they operate. So sometimes we'll come into a day and age where even if you have an issue against what they're teaching in your child's school, you can't pull them out. So it's important that you know so that you can be able to support your child outside of the school sphere. Welcome back to the Women in Revival podcast and particularly to this series, Godly Parenting in a Dark World. I, I am sure that the two episodes you've listened to has been encouraging, it's quite practical. And I think there's something about hearing from the younger generation. 
and I'm praying that as we go in today to join even this session, as we listen again on this day three, I'm praying the Lord will speak to you. Today we are looking at parenting and social issues. I believe many times Christian mothers or Christian fathers, we are ignorant of so many things. So these young people are here to challenge us and to encourage us to take our stand in our children's lives, even in this dark world. So shall we join Esther again as she takes us further? Second of all, get grounded in a church that supports not only um, with children activities, but also your spiritual growth. Because at the end of the day, if you want your children to grow and to be able to face this world with the assurance of their faith, you need to be a growing Christian yourself. You can't raise, the blind can't lead the blind. And so it's important that you're grounded in a Bible-believing church, a church that's going to help you grow, that's going to help you study the word, a church that's going to support you and then also support your children. So a church that has a Sunday school, a church that hopefully has stuff for teenagers so that your child through their stages of life can grow and can learn more about the word, but also be surrounded by other people their age who are aspiring towards that goal. And thirdly, I'd like to say, even though it's important to get grounded in a church, uh, a Bible-believing church, please don't rely on church or even on school to shape your child's worldview. I think that's a huge problem in the church where parents kind of send their children off to Sunday school. And they're like, okay, learn. And it's great Sunday school is important, but the family altar itself is very important and it even takes priority over Sunday school and whatever events are going on in church. It's very important that as a family, you have those moments where you sit down, you discuss the word, you discuss how they feel about gender, how they feel about the pressure to be in relationships, how they feel about sex, because these are all the things that are being taught in schools, that are being talk, taught about gender, about the alphabet, about um, boyfriends and girlfriends and sex and all those sorts of things. And unfortunately, what they're teaching in schools and even sometimes what they could hear from not necessarily the church leadership, but from other people in church, other young people in church, isn't al aligning with the word of God. So it's important that you don't rely on outside influences to shape your child's world. You need to be in control of what your child is consuming and what they are understanding. And lastly, be aware of the influence of media. Media is so... I can't even begin to explain how far the influence of media is. As I'm talking to you now, my microphone on my phone is on. Now, I could go on to Instagram in the next 10 minutes and it could pick up on some of the things I've said here and reels will start showing up on such topics. And that's basically the world we're living in where there's not just rubbish on social media, but where in some cases they're actually tracking what you're saying. They know so much about you. The amount of information that companies like Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, TikTok have about you and your children is it's crazy. So beware of that influence, not only with social media, but I think also with things like YouTube Kids, Netflix, CBBs, especially if you have like a younger age child, TV is going to be more of an influence in their life than maybe like Instagram, Snapchat, those sorts of things. So you need to be careful of such things. Unfortunately, the shows out there on television for children are terrible. I can't put it any other way. If I was a parent right now and I had children, I honestly wouldn't allow my child to watch Netflix, CBBs, 
Disney Junior, any of those things. When I was growing up, those were things I loved watching. But unfortunately now you have things like Sesame Street talking, celebrating Pride Month. You have Blue's Clues going completely woke and completely destroying things that the Bible has said are clearly wrong. So you need to make sure that your child art isn't influenced by such things. But it's not just removing them from those influences. It's about bringing suitable substitutes for them. So there are great biblically-based shows out there that are teaching the correct principles. Just to mention a few things like Bible Man. I watched that when I was younger. But recently I found out that there's been um, a reboot of this series and it's now an animated version. So if your children don't like the old um, VHS style, then the animation is great to watch and it's really fun. I can say I've enjoyed watching it with my nieces. A great movie, a great show to watch. Next of all, Superbook. I watched that again when I was younger. There is a reboot and it's super fun. Great biblical principles and it really, like I have actually learned a lot from the show also watching it. Adventures in Odyssey. Now that's something I also listened to when I was younger. Um, it was a TV show back then. They had a TV show so I watched the TV show. Unfortunately, they don't have that anymore, but they do have a radio series. And this is not necessarily for the younger children, probably for like 10-year-olds to like 15-year-olds. Adventures in Odyssey is great. It talks actually specifically about um, social issues a lot. There was a time where they talked about marriage and how marriage is between a man and a woman, or they discussed gender, or they discussed things like abortion and things like that. So it would be great if you could put your children onto these things. And then last but definitely not least is a new series I found out recently called um, Puddle Twins. Now, if anyone knows The Chosen, that TV show, they have an app um, which is run by Angel Studios and on it they have some other things for children. So there's something called Tottle Twins on there. There's something called Wing Feather Saga, but I haven't really watched that, so I can't recommend it. But definitely Tottle Twins. Now, it isn't exactly a Christian series in the sense of what you would think like Superbook and Bible Man, like going back into time or like teaching specific biblical principles, but it really reigns in on social issues. So there was an episode about freedom of speech and as an economic student, I actually found some of the episodes really interesting. So they talked about freedom of speech, capitalism, the right to um, run your own business and things like that. And these are really principles that aren't just necessary for like spiritual growth, but for allowing your children to see the world in the right way and to see, to create hard-working children, children who aren't afraid to say the right thing at the right time, children who aren't afraid to challenge their... Um, government there were some episodes in it where the twins the two twins but a pair of twins a boy and girl who um, noticed something that their city council wasn't doing right and they actually started a petition and got that overturned so it encourages children to look at the world around them see things that are wrong and strive to change that and um finally i'd just like to mention something some of you may know veggie tales now, I wouldn't want to put anyone off it. There's a reason why I didn't name it here, because recently I was reading an article um, where one of the VeggieTales, the creators of VeggieTales, gave an interview saying that people, the Christian media, should be allowing LGBTQ plus char characters in our media. So I wouldn't say don't watch VeggieTales because I don't know the full story, but I definitely say concerning VeggieTales, probably do some more research into what the creators think about such things because such even though they may not talk about it in the show i definitely think there's an influence of 
I am um, spirit. I definitely believe in the spiritual realm and that there's a battle and that we need to be careful about allowing certain influences in our children's lives. So I think those are all the points I wanted to reach today. So first of all, making sure you're aware. Second, get grounded in a biblical church, a Bible-believing church. Three, don't rely on school or church to shape your child's worldview. And last of all, beware of the influence of media. Lord Jesus, we thank you for today. We thank you for what I've shared. I know I rambled a lot, but I thank you for how you've spoken through me. And I thank you for all the parents here today. I pray, Lord, that you'll help them to go from here with a hunger to learn more about these problems, to learn more about what their children are learning in school, to learn more about what the media is portraying to their children, to get themselves really stuck into a church, and to make sure that their family altar is um, present and that their children are spending time with you in a family setting. And Lord Jesus, I just pray that you just um, help our generation. We are in a dire situation where people don't know what right is. They don't even know what wrong is sometimes. They think wrong is right. They think right is wrong. And I pray that you'll please just give us the, the um, wisdom to guide our children and to guide ourselves in this world that we are living in and to ultimately be salt for you on this world. In Jesus' name I have prayed. Amen. Welcome back to day four of this Women in Revival podcast tagged Godly Parenting in a Dark World. I'm praying that the Lord will ignite your heart and see that there is reward when we do our part. God himself is more interested in our children knowing him and standing for him even in their generation. So yesterday we listened to Esther as she challenged us on the path we need to take concerning our children and the social issues that are happening here and there. So today we are going to go back and listen again to Elias, a dear brother. It was such a blessing to every one of us. To be honest, we parents who were at the, the parenting course were very blessed and we were so encouraged to see these two youngsters that it pays when we labor over our children that the future will tell. These two youngsters are a, a praise to the name of the Lord. So shall we go in and join Elias as he takes us further? Brilliant. Thank you. Uh, I appreciate that introduction, Esther. That was very kind of you. Um, although I don't appreciate you ruining VeggieTales for me, so um, that, uh, that I'll let pass this. I'm very interested in uh, studying the Bible and, uh, and politics, actually. Um, and I think it's very crucial that we have sound doctrine on everything, especially something crucial such as raising children. Uh, and I thought I would give this talk from a Generation Z perspective, uh, Christian perspective, because that's what we are, we're gener or Esther and I are, Generation Z Christians. Um, and Gen Z is the generation, I like to say, the generation that went wrong. Uh, and the world has been an awful place before, but today it's truly, truly evil. Uh, and 
we can see that more and more. Uh, we have young people vandalizing pro-life centers. We have teenagers claiming that they identify as wolves and dogs. We have schools teaching sex education to kids who don't even know how to ride a bike yet. We have churches condoning sexual immorality forsaking biblical doctrine. Uh, even our own church in England, the Church of England, uh, which is supposed to be the mainstream Protestant movement, uh, is becoming woke. We have protesters committing arson and violent crime, standing up for things they don't even know what the, the truth behind. And what, worst of all, we have life being devalued. Uh, and all of this has been accelerated exponentially in the past 20 years. Uh, and even in the last 10, it's really, really um, accelerated. And But Generation Z haven't only been instigators, but we've been victims. Victims of failed parenting, victims of lack of boundaries set for us, and morals, and the victims of media indoctrination, as Esther uh, touched upon. So I wanted to talk about uh, the social issues facing young people currently, and how Christian parents should raise their children in response. And uh, I'm going to focus on three things, three key values, which I think we should be defending to our deaths, really. One is family, two is freedom, and three is faith. So the first one, family, as uh, and Esther touched on this quite a bit, uh, and the biggest issue that I think can be found in society at the moment, and is the heart of many of society's problems, is the breakdown of the biblical family dynamic. Society today has almost demonized this idea of a family having a man, a wife, and their children. A husband, whether he's the ultimate provider, the disciplinarian, the head of the household, the leader, the one responsible for the safety of his family, the wife being submissive, modest, supportive of her husband, caring, dedicated towards mothering her children, compassionate, self-sacrificing, and children who honor their parents, respect them, and listen to them, and take their wisdom and guidance seriously. How society looks down on this. The family structure God designed is now viewed as outdated, misogynistic, restrictive. But even if you ignore the fact that God's design and all these things are not true, Look at the society without this family dynamic. You've got broken marriages. You've got fatherless children. Women left to be single mothers to provide for their children on their own. Women who choose not to become mothers because their children are considered a burden to their careers and so they end up terminating their pregnancies. Another huge contributor to this uh, demonization of marriage is the normalization of marriage outside of man and woman. And Genesis 1.27 says, So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. Genesis 2.18 then goes on to say, The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper corresponding to him. God designed men and women to complement each other in marriage and therefore in raising children. It also says in Genesis, God told uh, Adam and Eve to be fruitful, go and multiply. How can you do that with two men, two women? You can't. It's not God's design. And it's the normalization of these things in society today, which has contributed to the breakdown. And we, our generation has the opposite taught to us. We, we have it taught that these things are okay. We've had the, uh, these things glorified to us even. But society breaks down when our families break down. The second thing is freedom. Freedom is under attack in the UK, and most people argue that the UK is a free country. Yes, we're more free than North Korea, but no, we're not free. The development of technology especially has contributed to this becoming very real, very almost borderline totalitarianism. Social media has become a huge problem. 
don't get me wrong, it has benefits. I, I wouldn't want to go back to the day uh, that my dad grew up in where he'd have to ride his bike for an hour to go down to the park only to find out that no one was there because you can phone someone or you can message them on WhatsApp. But the minds of our children are being warped by social media and, we, and the, the media in general. And we have a duty to protect them from this exposure to inappropriate and dangerous material. Yes, we, have, we should encourage children to have freedom, but we should be protecting them from the things they are too young to comprehend and too young to understand. These children are having modern gender ideologies shoved down their throats from schools, government-run schools, and media. And yes, many children see the media this, these days because kids these days have access to phones and technology, a wide variety. I've walked past kids in strollers and in prams holding iPhones. Well, how did we get to this stage? But it's not only schools and media pushing uh, agendas onto kids. They are, they are taking away the rights of parents who disagree with their methods. They are taking away the rights of parents to bring up their children how they want, with differing opinions. Restrictions on taking children outside, out of classes. Uh, as Esther mentioned, is now becoming very common. Schools aren't allowing it. Homeschooling is now checked up upon by the government. The erosion of freedom and parenting and the freedom of speech that we thought we had is becoming clearer by the day and it's becoming an ever-growing danger to Christian families. And this is all being pushed under this idea of tolerance. My generation is called the snowflake generation for a reason. We've had all of our... Uh, all of our blessings handed to us on a plate. So much so to the point where we've become so ungrateful, we've created problems that didn't even exist in the first place. So just so we could have something to complain about. And now we're asking the government, we're campaigning for the government on the streets to take away parents' rights so kids in the future, so our kids, can grow up being completely indoctrinated and not challenging these tolerance agendas being pushed. And the third thing is faith. Uh, obviously, this is a very crucial part of our lives. Uh, that doesn't even need to be said. But Christian values are being pushed into the firing line more and more uh, day by day. For what was once a Christian country, the UK has become a very hostile place for Christians. And no, we're not being arrested for going to church or reading the Bible, as is happening in China, North Korea, and Saudi Arabia, and many Middle Eastern countries. But we are getting cancelled for maintaining our biblical beliefs. We are getting targeted by people who disagree with us. For instance, uh, there's a, there was a case in Northern Ireland, a, a bakery, a couple who ran a bakery, and a gay couple went to them knowing that they were a Christian couple, asking them for a pride cake, and the couple refused, saying, no, we don't want uh, to make a cake with this because it disagrees with our bakery's values, but we'll refund you, we can do another cake for you. And uh, they got taken to court. Um, um, but by God's grace, the, I believe it was the Supreme Court they ended up going to in the end, overturned the decision and the bakery is, was uh, shown to be lawful. But this is the kind of thing that's happening within our own borders. Like, you may look at the Middle East and go, yeah, they've got it worse, but this is the start. This is the start. Bibles are being taken out of hotels to stop offending people of other faiths. Christmas is no longer about Jesus' birth about having a good time, spending time with your families, about materialism, having gifts. Prayer for those struggling with simple desires is now considered conversion therapy and may even be banned if the right government get in. 
the Let Us Pray campaign, by the way, is a great campaign uh, standing up against this, um, if you uh, want to check that out. This country is being attacked by Satan more and more as we progress. And so followers of Christ, who are Satan's enemies, he wants our destruction. We will never see be, be the ones who suffer. So what should our response as Christians be? Because what I've just said sounds pretty desolate, really, and uh, pretty unhopeful. But, firstly, it is absolutely paramount that we conduct our families in the way God designed. Colossians 3 and Ephesians 5 give an insight into how godly marriages and godly households should be conducted. But also it's crucial we outline boundaries to children, reward them for doing right, discipline and correct them for what they do wrong. And this should be based on God's word. Kids will try to push boundaries, that's what they do, they're a bit of a nuisance. But they just need to be rebuked and they will learn what is acceptable and what isn't. And if we take away these boundaries and take this namby-pamby, shower your kids in love and nothing else approach, you end up with spoiled, entitled, undisciplined children, which leads to a generation like ours, which has been polluted with an ungrateful, don't know how to behave, everything is, is acceptable, entitled attitude. And parents, it's so crucial that you remain walking with the Lord. If you slip away from the Lord, your family is in danger of breaking down. As kids are greatly influenced by their parents, as they spend most of their time around their parents in a lot of cases, especially on weekends. Uh, but So parents need to set an example of godly relationships for their kids and show them the joy that comes from having that relationship with each other and with the Lord. Thank you ever so much for joining us to the end of this series. We've come to the end today. Yesterday we listened to episode 4. So today we'll be rounding up this series, Godly Parenting in a Dark World. And yesterday we were challenged by Elias. And today again is going to round up this series as a challenge our hearts. And I'm praying that whatsoever you have taken from this series, you will work on them. And then we will see results. I think sometimes in the church we have had so much but we are leaving out so little it's not about how much we have learned i think for me it's much more about what we have done with what we have learned if we take into action what these young people have spoken to us in this week's podcast i am sure we will see results so shall we join elias thank you secondly we need to fight for our freedoms Stand up to government policies that harm Christian freedoms. Write to your MPs. Donate to Christian charities dedicated to defending our faith. For example, the Christian Institute is a big, uh, big uh, Christian charity which is uh, pushing against these woke ideologies, and they were actually uh, they helped fund some of the legal aid for the couple in the bakery. Become governors at schools. Challenge what's being taught. You won't receive if you don't ask. We need to try at least. We need to act. It's time that the silent majority become loud and refuse to be controlled by these, this minority of radicals who want God completely out of society, though that minority is unfortunately growing. We need to protect our kids from indoctrination as much as possible, and Esther focused on media indoctrination a lot. And it's so, so prevalent, it's so true. 
about going onto Instagram after you say things, and oh, they're, they're listening in. Alexa, even. Uh, it was at the point where Ale when Alexa was released and you asked Alexa, are you spying on me, basically? It can give you a, an answer because it is. Let's teach our kids to grow up without relying on technology. I wasn't allowed a phone until I was 11 because that's when I started secondary school. And, uh, and then I, so my mum thought that it was time because I could let her know if I'm staying for clubs or whatever. But even then, it was a basic HTC phone. Not the phones these days, which are, what is it, 200,000 times more powerful than the computer that sent man to the moon. It wasn't something like that. It was like a basic Blackberry kind of phone. But when, when they become mature enough, which is something that parents should be deciding through prayer and consideration throughout. The children should be encouraged to have these open intellectual discussions. And the dinner table was a big place for me growing up. The dinner table was an open, safe, though often heated place uh, sometimes, to have a discussion. And mum and dad were always very careful about how we spoke about things and how we approached certain topics. And it was good that they had the power to teach me in their words and not have this gender shoved, shoved down from a curriculum at a school. We need to teach kids to have these intellectual discussions, teach them to question things, and if they're unsure of anything, teach them to come and ask us. Like, we need to be safe havens for our kids, we need to build rapport and trust with our kids. That doesn't mean be, be our kids' friends to the extent that we're not disciplining them and being parents, but we need to be the ones who they can come to first. Otherwise, they're going to go to schools first or their friends first. And these might be very, very ungodly people. They, we should be our kids' first ports of school so they don't become negatively influenced and have these unbiblical values shoved down their throats further. And thirdly, we should bring our kids up to walk with the Lord, uh, continuing on the third point of faith in response to faith. We should teach them about God, teach them biblical values and morals, but encourage a safe, open discussion space at home so they're not condemned for challenging the Christian faith. All too often children who grow up in Christian families turn from their faith because they feel forced into it and when they get to teenagers, teenagers are notoriously rebellious, they'll do anything to go against it and when you fall away from the Lord it's very hard to come back sometimes. We should not be putting our kids off and forcing them to have this relationship with God because God doesn't force us but we should be encouraging it, telling them being open, telling them about it, being open with them. Kids should be taught to find their own walk with the Lord. Teach them to ask questions, challenge ideas, listen carefully, speak only when necessary, have original thoughts, and they will find walking with the Lord much, much easier later on when those around them are criticizing them because they will be properly, biblically grounded and not just, to an extent, have had many ideas put into their heads which they don't, haven't even considered for themselves. In 1 Peter, it says we, we should have an answer for everything to those who ask. Well, yeah, we should, and that helps our faith as well as theirs. Fathers should be teaching their sons how to be biblical men, how to be strong, defend themselves, defend their families, how to lead, how to be respectful, how to be a servant to those around, and how to be gentle and kind, yet also firm and aggressive when needed, but also how to be self-controlled. And this is something that, again, in our day and age is being demonized. It's being labelled as toxic masculinity. No, we should be teaching men to be men, have the male role, have the fatherly role. And the mothers should be taught, uh, should teach their daughters to be submissive, yet challenge things that go against God's word. 
not submissive to the point where they do everything they're told, but submissive to the point where they respect their husband's leadership and not have this feminist ideology that women have to be independent, that they have to have everything for themselves. No, men and women are supposed to work together as a team. They should be teaching their daughters to be modest, caring, and emotionally in tune with those around, and to be empathetic, to be compassionate, and to be in turn motherly. All of these things are being disregarded in our society, and uh, I'm sure Esther would agree, but in our generation, it's so prevalent that these things are almost seen as evil. Like if you ask someone about uh, what, about like uh, being a biblical man, if you say, like, I, I want a wife who will submit as a guy, like even my flat, some of my flatmates, they're like, what? Wait, what? And I've had to explain what that means. Because it, it falls on deaf ears. People are so into, uh, indoctrinated, sorry by the th uh, these agendas being pushed. It's so dangerous. And so I, I agree with Esther that we, uh, we should be in tune with what's happening in the world, but we should be ch challenging it and making sure that we're teaching our kids to grow up in our home environment and keep government intervention to a low, but we should be acting against it actively and we should make sure that we're being active in our homes and also the relationships between husbands and wives are not taken for granted because the fa as soon as the family breaks down, all of these things around break down. And so that is the key thing that I, uh, I would like to leave on. So thank you.